Hello, friends, and welcome to World Build With Us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Courtney Staples. On today's episode, we have a brand new prompt from a new listener. Um, But before we get into that, you might recognize that my voice sounds weird. That's because I moved and I have not set up anything because none of my stuff has arrived. So for the next couple of episodes, you might expect my mic to be, well, not great. Uh, But anyway, uh, this is a reminder that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click on the link, follow the instructions, and we'll be building your world within a reasonable amount of time. If you want to follow us on social media, we're on Twitter at Let's World Build. If you want to come join our Discord and chat with us about dinosaurs and how they definitely have feathers or any type of world building, you can click a link for that in the description of the episode or on our website. And of course, if you're feeling particularly generous, you can always give us money over on Patreon. You know, or if you just, you know, you want access to sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, early access to episodes, all that good stuff. And with all the shilling out of the way, we're going to get into the prompt. And because my mic is so bad, I'm going to let Courtney or Daniel read out the prompt and the tenets. So take it away. All right, I can do this. <laughs> I believe in you, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you. We actually have a prompt from a new listener, first time submitter here. Uh, Matthew N. has sent us the land of the bobbing sun. Uh, the world is a large eye-shaped supercontinent. At its center, where the pupil would be, is a massive hole in the ground. Every day, a small dim sun rises out from the hole, reaching its peak at noon before falling back down into the hole. Uh, and he's included some tenets here. First, the nature of the sun means ecology and biomes are defined by their distance to the center. So there's a large desert surrounding the hole as it's scorched daily, and at the edges, it's colder tundra that benefits from its distance from the center. Second, mountains create shadow zones that birth luscious forests. And third, people have tried to get to the bottom of the hole, but are never able to succeed as the sun burns any expedition away, which is pretty horrifying. Um, So since I'm in charge, uh, Rob, why don't you get us started? Oh, Lord. Okay. (laughs) Um, so I, I was thinking about this and I was afraid that Daniel would immediately take this in some hyper science way. Mm-hmm. So in order to combat that as best as I possibly can, I made sure that the sun is a living biological creature. Oh, interesting. Not a metaphor. It's not, you know, like a robot. It is a living being that is also a sun. You have played perfectly into my hands. <laughs> oh, bring it on. What you got? <laughs> oh, we got to discuss your tenant first, of course. Do we? Because it sounds like I've fallen for a Yu-Gi-Oh trap card here, Daniel. <laughs> and like... <laughs> I love I love it, though. I love it because like there's a lot of weird possibilities with that. And it gives it kind of a built-in intentionality, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does um, fit in interestingly with one of mine because I had also wanted to bring like a, a sort of magical element into play. Yeah. You hear that Daniel fuck science. I love magic. I don't know what's wrong with you people. (laughs) So um, mine was that the sun is actually the result of some sort of young God entity who is practicing star making. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. 
um, courtesy of like that hand waving explanation, it's it's much smaller than would be realistically possible. But also because it's a practice star, it's not always the most stable. Can like flare up from time to time, causing what are essentially like heat storms on the surface. Yeah, I, I think that definitely works. I mean, this already sounds like a creation myth, but it's just like yeah. we're making it reality, basically. Um, but mm-hmm. I love the idea of like star making that this celestial creature is like literally like an experiment of some kind, yeah. basically. Like it's like a little kid god and he just wanted a, a friend to play with or something like that. That's see, that's kind of cute actually. Yeah. See, that that's yeah. tonally very different than what I had in mind, but okay. It also um I think aligns with the concept of a flat we seem to have a flat earth kind of situation or mm-hmm. a disc shaped world. Um so if that's like the the premise, it makes me think to you know in D anD D, like the sort of I, know, I think it's like Spelljammer had like crystal spheres and the weird different kind of cosmology, um, which is like I guess more magical or can be like science magical in a way, which is fun. Um, so I like that. Daniel, I was really close to having one of my tenets be the world is a flat discus. So like I was like really it seems close like it to, is, right? His eyeball shaped, I think he said. Yeah, I was like, okay, no, no, no. But I mean like there'd be like an opposite side to the oh, world. Oh, that yeah. would be neat. That would be yeah. freaking weird. I was like, okay, I want to do flat earth because that'd be kind of fun. Oh, I'm into but that I was though. Like, uh, maybe not so much. Like an know? underneath realm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, okay. I, I still think that's a really fun concept. I mean, maybe yeah. I'm into that. Yeah. Yeah, we can definitely keep that. In yeah, I mean, we've got other tenets to get through. So uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of speaking of tenants, why don't you why don't you hit us with one of yours, Daniel? Oh right, yes. Um, so to because we mentioned that the sun is a living entity, one of my tenants was that, and I, I think in the in the premise it talks about the edges of the realm being frozen because it's farthest away from the sun. Um, at the edges of the realm, there are beings frozen in the ice who are made of the same stuff as the sun. Hell yeah, that's amazing. That is very cool. So take that as you will. Well, I'm taking it as those are failed experiments by this, you know, like godchild, like failed stars, basically. I like that. Yeah, me too. Interesting. So he's basically just like playing around in in this void and kept like tossing things aside because he didn't like how they looked or they weren't quite right. It makes me wonder if like the disc is actually infinite in size. And so... It, mm-hmm. it seems to them the edges of the world because that's the frozen part, but it, it goes on forever, you know? That was actually, like, a different tenet that I decided not to go with, ultimately. Oh. But it was going to be that, like, either there is no edge or they just haven't discovered it yet because they haven't been able to get past that point. Did you um, did you shy away from it because you like the concept of there being an edge and, like, seeing kind of the horror of that, or I guess, like, the wonder, either way, of the edge? Um. Yeah, I guess I hadn't wanted to fully define it, but oh, I see. given that you're into it too, I think we could definitely go in that direction. We can make a deal there. Yeah. <laughs> when when two tenants touch tips. <laughs> oh, God. Um, all right, so we've got our first round of tenants out. Uh, we've got like half tenants being formed already, and I really very much appreciate that. I, I'm also I'm also astounded at how well this already kind of works with us. So like, you know, it's it's one of those serendipitous little things. I appreciate it. Uh, I guess I, because I went first, I'll go again. But um, 
I, I wanted, to, I was thinking about some level of science, Daniel. I think you'll be proud of me. Oh, uh, nice. But I thought that, you know, our gravity comes from the sun, right? Like that's basically how gravity works in a lot of ways, right? Son of a bitch, Rob. I had a gravity related one. Yeah, get fucked, Gordon. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Um, so so my, my second tenet is it's actually pretty vague. So I'm sure that we can kind of work together in ours. It's It's very simply... The ability to control gravity is key to surviving in this world. Oh, that'd be cool for mages cool. too. Yeah, that's exactly what I had in mind, Daniel. This is a mage thing where they're yeah. like in control yeah. of gravity or like enchanting gravity, like mm-hmm. stones into the foundation of buildings so they don't just like fly away or some shit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I had, I had, I had implications going on here. No, I like that. And and yeah, just to add a, a, to add to what you said about gravity, I, I would think most of our gravity comes from the Earth pulling us down. But it is true, the Earth is being flung around the sun by its gravity. So yeah, there's exactly. like a connection there. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, I imagine that this little sun is considerably closer mm-hmm. to like this Earth surface than we are to our actual sun. It could also be very dense, and so yeah, you know, that's part of its. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just thinking about the implications about like what sun stuff would happen and gravity. I and you guys know I love gravity and gravity magic, so I'm like, this is the way that I can like you know make this happen. It, it would be interesting if it's descending into the hole actually cuts it off from it's cuts its influence off. So, for example, you know, if the sun just kind of moved away, it would still have effects on us gravitationally. But if it goes through a hole and it's completely cut off, then that would mean maybe the powers that are endowed by those who use its effects like are weakened. And when it's at its zenith, they're strongest. Oh, interesting. So, so it's like solar powered magic, basically. Yeah, or it's like, or maybe like when it's under the under the hole, there's a different kind of magic that's viable now. Okay, that I'm far more interested in, a hundred percent. And if I mean, this isn't even a tenet yet, but I'm I'm taking it and I'm stealing it. Um, <laughs> but this is a thing, and what happens? It's not like the magic goes away; it just flips into a different type of magic. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's this. So the, the the same magic user is going to be having the same amount of power, but maybe maybe not. Like maybe they're much more adept at wielding a certain type of magic. So when the sun goes into the hole in the ground, it's. De- I'm just. I'm getting very excited about this. It's I'm like just the saying. under gravity power, rather like you know the over gravity. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. 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 That's very cool. Um, I'm having a hard time thinking of what the like opposite power would be but i'm sure we can kind of flesh that out as we go i mean it could be okay if we want to pluck something from science mm-hmm. if we if oh, we dear, we yeah. have an un, un le- lesser a little understood force in the universe called dark energy that instead mm-hmm. of pulling things towards it like gravity does it pushes it away so you could have a push pull kind of um, like an attractive and repulsive force which would be the a repulsive force would be the opposite of gravity so the more the the bigger, the more dense, the more I'm talking more dense, but the, the more massive the body is, at least in, in space, if it's dark energy or dark matter, it pushes pushes mm-hmm. things away. Mm-hmm. My well, layman's see, explanation. <laughs> well, I, I think uh, w- while interesting, I, I often think of gravity control as the ability to amp up gravity or reduce gravity. So oh. like it it, it kind of sounds like we're we're in similar ballparks here. Yeah, right. yeah, because that's just it's just like an inversion of, of 
the effect. So right. gravity control would be literally doing both. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. So, all right, let, let's table that because that's hmm. not even a tenet. That's just something that I latched on to because it sounds fucking dope. But we, we've got other tenets to kind of work through here. So, uh, Courtney, you said that you had a gravity related tenet. Why don't you hit us with yours? Yes. Uh, yeah, mine was that gravity plays a major role in the landscape and its life. So things right near the center will be pretty locked down against the earth at night, but will shift with the gravitational pull of the sun as it rises. And oh. and the creatures there are built for high pressure survival. But on the other hand, like the further away is less affected. So it has features like floating islands and probably floating like beings, stuff like that. So things that aren't quite like strapped down to the earth. So, okay. That's cool. Okay. Yes. Very dope. I love that idea. So I'm thinking about one of the tenets that Matt gave us being, you know, like the, these mountains casting these shadows, right? I'm thinking that these mountains float and make those shadows even longer. That's super cool. Oh, neat. Yeah. So to reiterate, you're saying like, as um, the sun goes down, that's when, Gravity is least influential near the hole, but as it comes up, um, no, is it the opposite? Or it's so it's still influential, but it's like it's more so that it holds you down to the ground because because it's gone down. Yeah, because it's gone down, so it's still pulling oh. you, but obviously you can't quite follow it. So there's a directionality to the force. So if I go when it goes up, it's pulling everything up with it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really visually interesting too. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I also love the idea that the mountains fall and rise with the sun as well, because that'd be kind of cool to see as well. Yeah, that is. Uh, yeah, cool. I love that because visually, because you imagine them lifting. I mean, it also has implications mm-hmm. for like the way their civilization deals with not just travel, but perhaps like when things are on the Ooh, ground. Yeah. Perhaps there's peril versus being in the air. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of yeah. ties into my remaining tenant, maybe. Mm. Well, I mean, we've got a cool ebb and flow situation going on, Daniel. So why don't you flow into your next tenant then? Oh, nice. <laughs> very smooth. Oh, um, I, I'm fucking good, man. You know, I've been <laughs> I've been away for a while. I've been mastering my segues. <laughs> just thinking of the entire trip to Kansas is just like thinking about what is a segue? Making my segue book bigger. <laughs> There's literally nothing else to do in a 24 hour car ride, Daniel. Yes. <laughs> so. I was thinking, so since you said that about it rising up, my tenant literally says, and then I'll talk about it, is um, the tenant that I wrote down says, when the sun rises, it gives power to giant ancient machines that destroy everything in their wake that creep a little further into civilization. Oh my. Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> the thought I have here is that it seems that when they would also maybe be able to, to rise, not just turn on, or maybe they are on the ground and the fact that things go up is what's keeping people safer. I don't know. But hmm. my original thought was the rising of the sun gives them power because the sun is up, you know, to move, to keep moving forward from their circle in the center. But since we have this up and down motion now, I don't know. That's even more interesting. Okay. Uh, so I just, I just want to clarify something really quick. You said that these ancient machines are at the center moving outward or the outward yes. moving in. Okay. Because I had this idea. I mean, I, I think that – and you can totally reject this, Daniel. But if we have these like cast off star children that the god had made at the outskirts that are giant and frozen – Mm-hmm. that to me I, I seems, like what you're saying yeah like that mm-hmm. to me seems like those are the giant machines that are making yes. their way in yeah like 
it's thematically appropriate because they're reaching the, mm-hmm. the center that is the 100%. sun. And there's like, oh, they could just be like jealous creations. Can we flip it too? Like so that when the sun goes down, that's when they can advance. Not when it's up. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. then if they're on the ice, right? Like the sun goes down, I guess maybe the, the light of the sun prevents them from moving. That's why. So when it goes down there, or the gravity. So maybe that's why it's able to advance a little bit further. Mm-hmm. But I like that. I like inverting it. Yeah, I I, th- I think that works a lot better because then there's like, there's this inherent tension in the setting. It's like mm-hmm. these things get closer every day. Like there is a clock yes. that suggests that we are absolutely fucked once yes. these things get here. And just like you're saying, it ties back to whatever was in case in the eyes that there are, these people are experiments, whatever they are, and they're angry for what has been done for this child's son or whatever. Like they're, they might be the creation of one of those experiments and their senses destroy him or something. And that's why they're destructive as they advance. I don't know. Oh, they like want to get revenge on the literal golden child. Yeah. Maybe. That is, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. What, what might also be kind of interesting to, to think about here is maybe the sun's present. I mean, I mean, like, I, I know that we said they move when the sun goes down, but maybe seeing the sun enrages them and like encourages them to move forward, you know, like, and so like, but when the sun is gone, they like kind of power down. They're like, okay, my source of rage is gone. I'm not going to move anymore. Something like that. But I'm cool with, with either way, either suggestion. I didn't think of them as sentient. So I'm, I'm wondering maybe we should flip the rising. Maybe they advance when the sun rises because they're attracted to the sun on purpose. They've been designed to go towards the golden child to destroy it. Or it's just, literally like warming them up basically thawing them out yeah so like i'm thinking it warms them enough to move them a little bit the more they get closer the more warm they are the more they can advance or maybe not maybe it's not just warm maybe it's your gravitational difference that you established Mm -hmm. courtney Mm -hmm. either one but i think like they're they're not necessarily like um i I, i'm pushing back on the the rage part because i'm thinking they're they're more an instrument of what whoever's in the ice maybe or maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's that rage comes from the things in the ice, right? Um, and maybe they're just incomplete, and so that's yeah. why they're mm-hmm. like they're they're kind of like a half formed id of some kind, you know? Where I like that they don't know why they're angry, or they might not even be angry, but they're they feel this like urge to move once they see the sunrise. Mm-hmm. Yes, I like that. Yeah, it's like kind of discards of like this child god playing with clay essentially yeah and he's just kind of like tossing them out like oh, i don't like this one whatever but and then yeah like didn't think anything of that discarded pile but now it's all coming back mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely you're like discarded toys yeah pretty much oh yeah. that's yeah so we've got andy as the star child <laughs> and then this is like the buzz Lightyear. basically is the new sun gotcha. <laughs> right <laughs> okay cool is that all of our tenets? Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, okay. We have so much to work with here already. I'm very excited. Uh, so a big thank you again. I, I always wait until my thank yous until the very end of the episode. But no, I'm going to thank Matt again for this prompt. This is a dope-ass prompt, and we're very yeah, excited very cool. to work with it. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, here's, here's what I'm dealing with right now. We have built-in Jotun, right? We we basically have a Ragnarok that is mm-hmm. walking towards the center of the world. I want to stay away from Viking themes as much as possible. I feel like we've done a couple of those in the last year or so. 
So let's keep away from that in the meantime. But what other questions do we do we need to answer while we're while we're here? Like I have a bunch of questions, but I want to hear from you guys before we continue on. Yeah, I was curious about like the predominant um, sort of building structure of the civilizations that are on this planet. Like if they purposefully make use of the fact that the mountains float, so they like build their stuff on there so that they can, I don't know, have a greater vantage point during the day and then kind of fall back down at night. Or if they purposefully build on flatland, nowhere near the mountains to avoid like the seismic activity not sure what direction makes the most sense or if it's just a mix depending on cultures i feel like there's some danger to i mean i've established some danger to the daytime right so and they but the cities rise up then mm-hmm. so i'm wondering what is the surface like to when it's night right which is a safer time so i think part of whatever we decide has to depend on that cycle yeah that's definitely something that i didn't even really consider daniel is that you know we've got an inverse mm-hmm. of of things where it's like, yeah, this is the time where like night is the safe time. But at the same time, I feel like if we're dealing with humanoids who have like the typical range of vision, then the night is still going to be dangerous. And how fast did you envision these, these kind of half formed gods being? Because I I imagine them only moving maybe a couple of feet every, every day, but that might be completely different to what you had in mind. I mean, it's a good question. Like, I didn't particularly have a, a length in mind, but then it that raises another question because if they move too fast, right, they're going to get there too fast. And if they move too slowly, they pose no real threat to the space in between. Mm-hmm. Yes. So is it, could we say maybe there's different kinds and like the smaller ones move faster? And so they do have incursions, you know, more frequently, mm-hmm. but the bigger yeah. ones move way slower. And and do they reset once the sun rises, or is it like um, it's it's a it's a it's an increasingly tight circle, and and it gets tighter and tighter each time? I want to say it's increasingly tighter because that would create the sense of doom, like the Ragnarok right. we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. But I right. feel like we need to have some way for some of them to get into the at least the outskirts of these cities and put pressure mm-hmm. on it, like on a mm-hmm. regular basis. Otherwise, sure, it's at the edges of the periphery, and it's not really part of the narrative because until the world mm-hmm. ends you know, until they're literally on the doorstep of the city, even then, like, sure, they'll destroy the outskirts of the city. But now it's like, okay, we got to wait 300 years before they get a little bit further. Right. And, and these things, are these things entirely unkillable when they're, when they're like active? Or is it maybe they're only vulnerable, like while they're active, but they're completely invulnerable once the mm-hmm. sun goes down? I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, because, because they're completely like, a living apocalypse engine, hmm. right? Mm. So I, I can I can support that, but if there are some that are faster, then what does that say? You know, like I don't know, but I, I think um, I think they are. You can destroy them. It's just that they're probably really incredibly hard to do, and the bigger they are, the more impossible it is. Mm-hmm. Like maybe like the ones that are incursions, it takes a lot of great effort to destroy them or to push them right. back or whatever. But the big ones, they know that if one of those gets close, they're they're done. Yeah, I I like that a lot more. I like the idea that maybe there's like a group of people who are trying to plan for the bigger ones, right? Yeah. Or or Mm -hmm. like, okay, these little ones we can try and take care of. Like, yes, they're incredibly dangerous, but we can we can work with it. We can make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The other question, again, so many questions from the setting. I love it. Um, 
The other question that I have, what happens if one of them reaches the center or the sun? Mm. Hmm, that's a good question. I imagine it will be very bad. Probably pretty bad, yeah. Like, would it soak up some of that sun's energy and become like a second sun? It awakens the others. Ooh, yeah. The ones in the ice. I mean, they were the ones who sent it, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. I just, I, the one thing I would say is I wonder though, I want there to be some sort of twist. I mean, I know we're, I know we're going there, but I, <laughs> I want there to be something misunderstood about them. I, it would be great if, sure, they are destructive and seemingly harbingers of doom, but perhaps there is something not understood about them that should they reach the center, something will happen that's transformative in a way we don't know yet. Um, so one thing to go back to my first tenet, one thing I had brought up there is that it's like, it was still like a child god that was making this, so it's not the most stable sun. So it does flare up and cause like heat storms. Um, I'm not sure how that would affect the kind of cast off ones, but I imagine it would either making them like more empowered during the day when that happens, or if it would like burn them off. Or what do you guys think? Oh, I think what that sounds like to me is that as it's having these flare-ups where more energy is being expended from this this living sun god thing, the the cast-off, as they are now called, are absorbing more of that energy. So they are, mm-hmm. in fact, more awakened, faster. And, like, you know, I, I imagine them kind of moving somewhat anemically, you know, or, like, they're, they're kind of shaking off some kind of long slumber. But with this like burst of energy, they're like, oh, no, we're like fully powered, like they're fully sentient or not sentient, but they're fully like uh, empowered to do whatever the fuck Mm -hmm. they want during those flare ups, which is like terrifying to the citizenry. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's how it follows from the setting logic that we created so far as I think so. Mm. And and the planning that those the, the mortals do completely goes out the window because those flare-ups aren't something that they can really rely on basically. Mm, yeah. And and the inverse I think also has to happen where this dim sun rises and it's like ah I'm just not feeling it today guys and it's giving like a half energy or something like that. And so maybe <laughs> maybe the the cast off barely move or maybe some mm. of them don't even awaken at all. That's a cool idea. I like that. Oh, I mean, your to your point earlier, Courtney, like when the closer they are to the sun, right? When the sun is down, that's when the pull is, is strongest going downward, right? Mm-hmm. So right. that would mean the closer they get to the center, the harder it is to advance, even though each time the sun is up, they're more charged. So it's almost like mm-hmm. when they get to the center, it's it's equivalent to when they were further out because there's an opposing force that's stronger. Mm-hmm. So it's like they're advancing faster, but at the same time at night, they, they're, I guess it wouldn't matter because they're not advancing at all at night. So never mind. Never mind what I said. I was just, I was trying to figure out the logic there. <laughs> I just wanted to, I wanted to, I was wondering like the fact that the sun goes down and gravity is pulling them, like what, what impact does that have? You know, I guess it would make it difficult to move around. Yeah. What if they get like rooted into the earth the closer they get that night? Because it's like oh. actively pulling them into like, the soil and the rock. So then at, during the day when the sun rises, they have to spend more time getting out. There we go. Like that. Yeah. There we go. Nailed that it. works. Yeah. Oh man. There's, there's so many, there's so much, there's so, so much that I'm loving here. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So some things from earlier in the episode that we need to consider. Number one, is there an underground or an underneath, like another half of the world that we're not even looking at? Do we want to introduce that? Or is that muddling the, the pond a bit too much? 
Mm-hmm. I mean, my first feeling is yes. I think it, even though I like it, I think it adds too much more to have to deal with. Yeah, like we already have a lot of moving pieces. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think that cool idea, fun idea. Maybe it's something that we can bring up in like factions and or twists or something like that. But for now, I agree. I think that it's a little bit too much to focus on. Uh, number two, I, I again, I latched onto it once I heard it, but this idea of like magic kind of like inversing or like switching in some way when the sun goes down. I really, if we don't talk about it here, I'm definitely talking about it in my faction next time. So is it something we want to broach here? Because I do feel like I do feel like gravity control is something that we haven't really touched upon enough in terms of like bringing up the tenets and stuff like that. I mean, I feel like we can explore it in other some. I don't really have any opinion on it, so it's like I would like to see what people think of it and come up with it. Um, mm. It's kind of how I feel. I would feel the same about um, what is the space that the sun goes into. Like that may be a question that doesn't need to be answered, or it may be like central to understanding the magic. I don't know. Maybe the like you're saying, maybe there's a parallel realm, and that's where the other magic comes from, and there's something happening down there. But I think all those things we can explore, like in factions and, the, and with the twist. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, let's go back to Courtney's original question, I guess, because I don't think we really answered it about the, the, the architecture and stuff like that, did we? Yeah, no, I guess not. Like nope. how, <laughs> how people build up on this world and like, is it yeah. safer to be on the mountains or on the ground or? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe that question can tie into my gravity control situation that we've got going mm-hmm. on here where they are in charge or, or there are certain people who are in charge of maintaining proper gravitational forces for different times of the day or maybe that's part of like the magitech you know like kind of tech tree that they've got going on where there are going to be cities that are permanently floating and then there are going to be cities that are kind of bob and, and and roll along with the the tide of gravity so to speak mm-hmm yeah, and that could too vary by culture. Like maybe some are more focused on the magic itself, while others are going for more tech-oriented solutions. Mm. Like kind of getting into like a steampunk type realm. Yeah, I, I think that allowing it to be a cultural thing is a more in, makes for a more interesting setting overall. Mm. Because if we if we kind of try and nail it down now, then it might be like a monoculture issue, which I'm you know want to avoid. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. Any other questions before we do our recap for the tenets? Um, to add to what you guys are saying, um, the only thing I would consider, which we can obviously figure out later too, is I, I'm sure there's some fundamental principle about their architecture because of the environment, the way that this gravity works. Because like imagine, so for example, if closer to the center, the machines are pulled down at night and so much so, so that they're pulled under the earth slightly because they're heavy, mm-hmm. then their heavy architecture would need some kind of counterbalance to that. And it also means that their architecture would have to be somewhat mobile in the sense that, you know, they can't really build foundations because those foundations are going to get lifted up on a regular cycle. So like no matter the culture, they have to have some sense of temporariness, like some sense of like not being anchored to their space, which I think would affect the way people think and feel about their environment. Like if I, when we think of our houses, you know, we think of them as safe reliable 30-year mortgages, right? That do not, <laughs> that do, they don't move around. We don't have to worry about things changing. You know, that's why we buy a house, right? We want to avoid having to keep moving. So this is a world that's the opposite. Like moving, keep constantly moving is actually safe. Saying uh, position isn't safe, right? Because 
if you if you were to stay on the ground all the time, your house would get destroyed by the gravity if you're too close, or maybe things freeze over because it's too close to the ground. It, it's normal to go up and down in this world, weirdly. I, I think that I, I think that there is human inju- or there is humanoid ingenuity that we are not taking account of. Like I'm thinking specific. I'm I'm rereading Devil in the White City right now. And, you know, the idea of bringing architectural study into it where, you know, people used to build uh, foundations eight inches from like flush to the ground because the way that Chicago worked is that it would eventually settle into something. So I think that people would eventually learn to because people often need stability. Like you said, you know, like you, we find homes in, in places we, we latch down because we find that sense of safety. Uh, comforting to us. So I think that these people would find some way to do both where they, they wouldn't necessarily be nomadic, but I think that they'd be able to adapt their homes and buildings to, and again, this could be a cultural difference, right? Like we could see like a spectrum of people who are like, no, this is our home. We don't want to move to, yeah, we're completely nomadic. Like we don't trust the gravity type thing. But, but I think that there is something to architecture that we can definitely like, yeah, this is going to change and shift, but we can account for it. There's stuff that we can do to make sure that we can, uh, you know, account for the gravitational shift, basically. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, that's just kind of what I'm saying. Like, I think that, that, I'm not saying they're moving their houses around like left and right, but this up down feature of the world is like fundamentally different than ours. So I'm thinking that um, regardless of what the cultures do individually, like maybe some of them do like being attached to the ground. Um, the sense of being uh, grounded isn't isn't a given like it is in our world. Right, right, right. I, I see what you mean. Yeah, I yeah. yeah. So I, I think I, I think that's a really interesting concept to keep to kind of even consider is architecture will definitely look and feel a lot different, but how so, you know, like that's, but I think that's a question that is getting into the minutia that I think is perhaps less interesting than what we could otherwise be focusing on. Uh, even though I know I could talk about it for another half hour, I'm going to shut up and we can move on. <laughs> uh, I did have one other question about the setting before we get too far is what do the cast off things do? Like what makes them so dangerous? Do they just show up in a city and like actively destroy it? Or is it more just that they're lumbering along and like kind of walking over anything that happens to be in their path? Oh, what if they um, dismantle and incorporate the, the structures into Ooh. themselves? Yes, 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 yeah. Uh, absolutely. Like the idea that they're basically de-atomizing things as they mm-hmm. walk or move yeah. and then like incorporating them into that form. Like that's really cool. I like that a lot. That is very cool. All right. Cool. All right. We nailed it. So I, I think it's time for the recap for our tenets. Um, again, mine, my, I went first, which is weird, uh, but mine was the sun is the living biological creature. Uh, we haven't really nailed down what that creature looks like or is, but I'm not convinced that we necessarily need to do that. Mm. It's a um, It's a kangaroo jumping up and down. Uh, you can fuck right up. This is that's not canon. That is not my canon. Thank you. Is this a thing I'm I'm missing? <laughs> no, no. It's just a terrible idea, Daniel. That's that's all it is. There's no reference to be made here. I thought it was another reference. I'm I'm just too old. Oops, no, it was no. not. No. Yeah, I don't think we need to know 
it's i mean right now i'm just picturing an orb right but like yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't really care i mean I, I imagine what's interesting about the the orb is that or the the being is that we know it's childlike so mm-hmm. that would be fun to explore well i i had to, i had it as a as a bird like like a big phoenix of some kind that type of thing but you know that's again that's headcanon for now maybe maybe nobody because you they think we said people have tried to go in the hole but they can't maybe they don't come back so maybe people don't really know <laughs> yeah and it's not mm-hmm. like you can look at the sun yeah you'll just go blind so unless you're the okay anyway yes i agree i agree completely all right uh next tenet uh yeah that was that the sun is the creation of like some kind of young god creature that was practicing making stars and because it's a practice star it's not necessarily stable all the time it can flare up and create heat storms solar storms i think that we we established that and mm-hmm. i think that that definitely works going back to it like we did is important i think we nailed that tenet pretty well yeah agreed yep. i think it works well daniel what was your first tenet first one is at the edges there are frozen beings in the ice who are made of the same stuff as the sun and we incorporated that into being like cast off you know false suns so to speak so that definitely works for me too mm-hmm. yep, yep. Yeah, we're we're nailing we nailed these tenets, by the way. We're doing really well. Um, my second tenet was the ability to control gravity is key in surviving this warped world. Yeah, I think we're we've worked on that and I think it's probably gonna come up even more in the factions or whatever the yeah. will bring. I know I know I'm going to be bringing it up again, and I think that it's it's vague enough where we have like mad basically gravity mages right now that also have different yeah. abilities when the sun goes down that I'm cool you know with that man I should talk to Clark about that and see what he says anyway uh, yeah <laughs> I can see that being important in keeping the cities stable because if yeah. you have mm-hmm. gravity mages like and the things are rising up and down all the time like they might be like the architects or the I don't know, the government. Engineers. Yeah, or engineers yeah. in the city. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. exactly. That, that's kind of what I had in mind as well, is that there is like a, a dedicated force where it's like your civic duty to make sure that you cast gravity yeah. spells. I love you that, know? Yeah. yeah. Keeping like your freaking buildings so that they don't like rip apart when they move. <laughs> <laughs> pretty <laughs> it's probably much. important. Yeah, it does seem pretty useful to have that. Um, and then my second one was also gravity related that, plays a huge role in the landscape and the life forms on it so that I say things near the center are very locked down against the earth at night um, when the sun is underground but shift upwards with the gravitational pull as it rises and creatures there are built for like high pressure survival mm-hmm. whereas as you go further out it's less affected so there might be floating islands and things like that. I think that I definitely think that we've incorporated that mm-hmm. well into the setting yeah. so far. Um, yeah, it feels pretty integral right now. Yeah, the the only thing that we really haven't discussed is like what the animals are like, what kind of like creatures would look like mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I, I, again, I think that's something that we can kind of break into a little bit more next time. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. I'm thinking like weird giraffe-like creatures. The further out you get, because gravity's lighter, you know, really creepy long leg things. Oh yeah, absolutely. Kind of what um, that one video game promised but didn't deliver initially. Oh, um, no man's sky. No man's sky. No yeah, there we go. They fixed a lot of it, but yeah. Yeah. Does it get weirder anymore the further you get closer you get to the galaxy? Did they ever fix? Oh, that? I don't know. I'm not sure. That was like the one selling point that I cared about, and it wasn't in there. 
<laughs> you were lied to, Daniel. You were yeah. lied to. Mm-hmm. I did get a refund from the GoGo company or whatever it's called. So that's fine. Wow. Yeah. Da- the one video game Daniel plays in a decade, and it's like No Man's Sky. It's <laughs> uh, bad yeah. luck right there. Like, yeah. Yep. And Daniel, your final uh, tenant was the Ragnarok one, right? Yeah, the machines creeping a little bit further in, which I think we they made them very central, so they're all good. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you on that one. Cool. So I we've I feel like we've nailed it. We've we've taken care of all of the tenets. Uh, and I think the only thing that's left is the twist. Yeah. 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 All right. So our twist for this particular session is it is self-aware. It, of course, being in quotation marks. And boy, is this kind of easy for this particular setting. But I know that we're going to find all sorts of challenging and creative ways to approach that twist. Very neat. Oh, yeah. I'm Mm -hmm. down. I'm Mm -hmm. excited. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for this episode of World Build with us. Uh, A big thanks again to Matt N for this particular setting. And remember that if you want us to build your world, you can always go to our website, worldbuildwithus.com. Click on the link, follow the instructions, and within a reasonable amount of time, we'll be building your world. If you want to follow us on social media, we're over on Twitter at Let's World Build. And of course, if you're going to come join our Discord, that is a link in the description. Click on that. Come chat with us about how this is basically kind of a weird Fortnite mod, but that's fine. Don't worry about it. And of course, if you want to be a patron and give us money, or if you just want access to our sweet, sweet patron-only episodes, or if you want to add your own twist to the twist list, you can always go to our Patreon and give us money over there. A big thank you to all our patrons, as usual. That'll do it for this episode of World Build with us. Remember that we love you very much, and we're going to get through this together. Until next week. 